This podcast is called Poems for Real Life, and it's hosted by Janet Hagberg. I like to think of this podcast as a reflection on how to creatively express the ups and downs of life and to actually have conversations with God about all that happens in our lives. We all have high times and low times, and it seems that we express ourselves most during these times, but in a wide variety of ways. Some people sing, other people cite familiar lyrics or quotes, like one of my family's adages was, don't cry over spilt milk. We share things with a friend, we might write, work out physically, fight, laugh, scream, cry, dance. We have a lot of ways of expressing ourselves. And some of the greatest and most memorable music in the world was written during times of distress or grief, like the great requiems and a lot of pop music and especially the blues and some some country music, uh, lots of songs when we're um, high or low. Jerry, a friend of mine, best expresses what he feels by writing new song lyrics and composing music on his guitar. And then he records those on YouTube and shares them with a wide range of people. And I sense that this helps keep him sane and balanced. And a young woman I know wrote a deeply personal lament psalm when her young son was dying. It was heartbreakingly poignant. So most of us express both the pain and the joy of our existence in some way, although some people stuff their emotions, but that's a topic for another podcast. The psalmist is a great role model for us, expressing both joy and pain in a variety of psalms. Many of the psalms are praise or gratitude songs, and others are primarily for expressing sorrow or pain. In fact, a majority of the psalms, up to like two-thirds, are called lament psalms, psalms that express angst, sorrow, or desperation to God for not feeling heard or held, although most of them do eventually express refuge or help from God by the end of the psalm. There are a few, however, that don't. (laughs) An example of this refuge is from Nan Merrill's version of Psalm 119, and I quote, When the journey seems long, when we become discouraged along the way, you uphold and sustain us. You restore us with your saving grace. When we stumble and stray amid the thorns on false paths, we are ever humbled by your forgiving love. So I'd like to ask, what ways do you, the listener, use to express your own laments or sorrows or joy or exuberance? I'd invite you to ponder that as you listen to this podcast, or maybe even express it as you hear my story. I use art, words, stories, and rituals to express my deepest emotions and my highs and my lows. Today, I'd like to highlight one way that delights and intrigues me, and that is poetry that has seemed to drop right out of the heavens into my psyche. I don't try to edit these poems much or make them do anything really artful. I just listen and let them speak for themselves. They are like conversations with God. And in these poems, I find ideas that I would not have thought of myself and insights that emerge as I write them down. In order to share these more effectively, I have chosen several categories expressing different experiences and emotions. So I'll group the poems together. Some I will just read, and others I will reflect on gently uh, after or before the poem. The six categories in order are one, joy in God's presence. 
two, doubt. Three, loving ourselves. Four, low points and healing. Five, hope and wonder. And six, intimacy with God. So let's get started. I must say this is just a bit daunting for me since I do not see myself as a poet, but more as a recipient of these poems from God. Just admitting that seems to calm my soul so that I can begin. The first category is joy in God's presence. These poems seem to express awe, a bit of wry humor, and God's amazing insights into our lives. Can you imagine God being aware of what makes you beautiful or using wry humor to get your attention? Listen and see how these affect you. The first one is God speaking to me, and the title is When I Look at All This Beauty. You bask in all this beauty, the scent of early daffodils, the quiet of new fallen snow, the sound of baby birds chirping with mouths wide open to love, the embrace of a lost son returning home to heal, the moan of recognition that your worst flaws are a holy gift in disguise. Look, listen, touch, smell, God says. When you bask in all this beauty, does it remind you of me? When I look at all this beauty, I think of nothing but you. That depth and range of beauty touches me each time I read it. And this next poem is short and suggests a bit of a chuckle from God, dropping this poem in my lap and for all of us. <clears throat> it's, again, God speaking, and the title is, That's All I've Got to Say. And actually, I'm going to read this twice because it's short and pithy and worth hearing. I created you. Now let me love you. That's all I've got to say. Would you like me to repeat that? I created you. Now let me love you. That's all I've got to say. Would you like me to repeat that? <laughs> I can hear God chuckling. The next one is filled with wonder, amazing wonder. And the title is Multiply That by Infinity. Have you ever been so filled with joy you felt you might burst with delight? All of your dreams vibrate with possibility. Colors shimmer with energy. The air is heavy with hope. Time stands still, if only for a brief instance, and you glimpse through a thin veil the miracle of eternity. Multiply that by infinity, and you have a glimpse of God's heart. Oh, when I read these, I'm blown away and deeply moved by how much God attends to details in our lives and how cherished we all are. And I sense again the subtle humor in how God invites me to lighten up. 
When I wrote these, I was just waking up to the essence of deep underlying joy in my life, really, for the first time. Before that, I would have said I was happy, but I really didn't understand the deeper levels of joy. And this joy emerged during a long season of pain and major change in my life. Divorce, loss of my identity and my work, and an anxiety event that stopped me in my tracks. So at the end of this section, I'd like you to reflect on this question. Where and when did you feel joy in God's presence? And how does that affect your life? The next section is called Doubt. And this is about how life takes us on strange or mysterious or even unwelcome journeys that we might not have anticipated or we may have tried to avoid, in my case, tried to avoid. Later, we may see and be surprised by God's perspective about what has occurred in our lives. And this first one, I don't want to read the title of it because it'll give it away, but I'll read the title of it when it's finished. I asked God a question that's been plaguing me for a long time. As I travel on my journey and uncover miracles in the midst of pain, why do I still doubt? God became very quiet, sighed, and then smiled at me. Because you are afraid. And you learned along the way not to believe in love. But why did I learn not to believe in love? Because you have never felt the depths of mine. Then God took me gently in his arms. Sometimes I just have to stop and sigh when I recite that poem. And I get teary. Not believing in love is such a false truth, that truth that I've had to heal from. But now I do believe and experience God's unfailing love. And it's been quite a journey getting to that love. So the name of that poem is You Learned Along the Way Not to Believe in Love. The next poem is called Longing for Epiphanies. I long for epiphanies, sudden glimpses of light. But I often live in doubt, in fear of the dark. Yet I know, O loving Lord, you are my light and my doubt. You are my fear, my balm. You ask me to climb higher on the mountain and wait there for you. My heart awakens there. You consume me with the fire of your love. I become as nothing, yet all things are mine. Glimpses of light, endless light. This last poem expresses to me a mystery of how God is in all of my doubt and my light. And as I come closer, I experience more of God and less of anything else. God is all of my life experiences. God is a saturating presence. I really can't explain exactly how this works, but I find it does give me solace, at least on my good days. 
This next poem is a truth teller, and it reminds me how good I am at avoiding my underlying craving for God. Maybe we all have a little bit of that. A bit different in tone than the, la than the last poem I read, but just like life, some days are so intimate, and the next day can be a totally different story. So this poem is called, These Are All Just Signs. I sat down to talk with God one day and asked, Where do I look for you? How do I find you? You already do look for me, God said. How is that, I asked. Well, you look for me by shopping when you're low and by taking that extra drink when you are stressed. You work long hours hoping to find your worth. And you eat to fill that empty place within. But your most creative way of looking for me is expecting someone else to make you happy. Hmm. These are all just signs that you are looking for me. And when you know that is true, you will find me. When I listen to these poems, especially that last one, I'm reminded that when I ask honest questions of God, not knowing what to expect in return, I often get surprises and embarrassing insights. But definitely ways to grow and deepen my life. Again, on my good days. And arg would be a response. <laughs> These are not quite as fun or absorbing as the first group of poems were, and yet I sense that God is part of this doubt, too, as the one poem suggested. Sometimes I even feel that God invites me into times of doubt. That's complicated, but I think it's also how I grow deeper. So a reflection question for this section is this. When do you find yourself most likely to doubt God or God's love? And what ways have you found to bring these doubts to God for yourself? The next section is called Loving Ourselves, and it's really about self-love and self-worth. And I believe it's at the core of why many of us are, are stuck and why we stay away from God. We just don't feel worth the love or the attention. So I hope that these poems in their own way are a reminder that we are all vital and we are all accepted. <clears throat> the first one is called, Did You Know? And this is another short one that I, I may repeat. <laughs> Did you know that loving all of yourself, every last little bit of yourself, is an outrageous act of courage? Did you know that loving all of yourself, every last little bit of yourself, is an outrageous act of courage? This means your ugly toes, your straight hair, your crooked smile, your snarky anger, your smooth talker, and your lonely self, too. All of you. The next poem is a different form. Um, it's a pantoum, 
and it's a French poetic form, and if you're interested in it, it has repeated lines in a kind of a prescribed formula that you can't predict when you first write it. So if you like it, it's spelled P-A-N-T-O-U-M, and you can look it up and try one yourself. This is called My Body, a Temple. My body, a temple for you. What can be holy in me? The wounds, memories, pain. I release them all to you. What can be holy in me? You heal and send me forth. I release them all to you. I bring healing to the world. You heal and send me forth the wounds, memories, pain. I bring healing to the world, my body a temple for you. This poem was just a reminder to me that all of me is what God uses in the world for healing purposes. Sometimes our wounded part is actually the most essential one for God to use, since we all meet each other most authentically in our places of pain, and so people trust that you understand if you can speak about or write from your wounded places. So nothing is lost when it comes to using our experiences. The next poem describes the essential role we all play in the journey of life, and we each have our own part. This might sound kind of strange to some of us who wonder what our part is, but we all have a part. So this is called Just Show Up. This theater called life, orchestrated by our loving God, would not be the same without us. God asked an unnamed man in Joseph's story of old to just show up in a field in time to direct Joseph to his brothers who plotted his doom and his ultimate glory. All of history depended on this man showing up to play his part. God asks us simply to show up and play our part, touching a life, forgiving ourselves, raising a child, curing an ill, planting a flower, releasing our pain, carrying a brother. Our history depends on it. I like pondering what role I've been created by God to play in this life. I'm not sure, but I think being a healer is part of it. Yet some days it's really hard to love myself, to see my unique expression of God's love, especially when shame or grief overtakes me, or when I have strong regrets or hurts. It helps me to remember that all of my life, even the pain, is what God uses to help me heal and to be present to others in pain. And as I've discovered, joy emerges when I attend my pain intentionally. So the reflection questions for this section are, what part of yourself have you had the most trouble embracing with love? What have you been especially created to do or be in this world? The next category gets pretty deep. 
But we've all been there, and why wouldn't God be there with us? It's called, the category is called Low Points and Healing. My poems get more raw and emotional. They're even harder to read because they bring back some of the memories of the time that I wrote them. And I can feel some of that emotion revisited in my body as I read them or even anticipate reading them. Some sadness, a little bit of heat, and a little bit of fear. So bear with me. These poems are largely about love relationships in which my desire to, was to love and be loved or to get what I loved. I didn't yet know how to love or to ask for the love that I needed. So it's hard to even admit that and then relive it. But I know that I'm safe now and that I am loved. So it is my gift to share these raw poems so others feel permission to write or speak from their own depths as well. I will start with a safer one and go down from, from there. <laughs> Why am I laughing? I will end with a hopeful one directly from God. And I need to remember when approaching these poems that all is well and all will be well. So the first one is called The Good Life. In my early years, I set goals in 10 categories to get my share of the good life. I wanted a contemporary home with a sculptured yard and a magnificent view. I dreamed of traveling the world to gaze on Mount Fuji, taste pigeon pie, walk Las Ramblas, climb the Great Wall, and sip morning coffee at sidewalk cafes. Alas, there was little sun in the yard of the home with the view and a great deal of darkness within. And each trip more exotic than the last drove a deeper wedge between me and my dreams. Now that I've had my share of the good life, what I want most is to let the good life go. I think this poem expresses the disappointment that my ideals did not materialize in ways that I imagined like a loss of, ideal, of innocence and idealism, I think. There was much more inner work to do beyond the traveling and the longing for material and cultural success. This next poem reflects a stark awakening in my life when I learned a truth that was only available in retrospect. Don't we all say, if I only knew then what I know now? Well, this is true for me. Yet the truth is that I really needed this experience that this poem reflects in order to meet the depths of my pain with mercy and healing. It's called, But That Knowing Was Out of My Reach. We were dining in a lovely French restaurant, having a lively debate about South Africa. At that moment, I murmured an internal yes to this new love. I said yes, while all the while I knew I would not be safe, that this love would sear me to my core. But that knowing was out of my reach, behind a locked door in an inner room. Oh, to turn back the clock, to inform that young woman sitting in a lovely French restaurant 
that if she would only whisper no, she could save her soul. But if she had listened to me, her heart would not have broken open. Like an egg falling from the nest, splashing its goodness on the earth. That inner room would still be locked because she was afraid to find the key. She would not know how to embrace fear as her greatest liberator. And I would still be dining in lovely French restaurants, afraid to live. I don't think there's anything more to say about that poem. It's near and dear to my heart, and I even made a sacred artistic image and fabric of it so that I wouldn't forget it. <clears throat> this next poem is the hardest one for me to read. It's a true turning point in my life, and it will be clear from the words. It illustrates the moment when I quit being a victim. It is a hard poem to read, but it was also quite liberating. I don't need to make any more comments on it, just to pause afterwards to let it sink in reverentially. And the title of it is No. You say I love you and put your hands around my neck. Squeeze and laugh. Scratch my back until it screams. In me grows a very small no in the center of my soul, from the place of deepest knowing. Passion is what we need in our lives, you say. The scabs on my breasts keep me awake all night long. Months go by. I nourish no. I feed it mother's milk. You are always so kind when the pain is over. So kind, I wonder if it really is just my imagination, just me going crazy. I nurse the no with every last ounce of energy I have. At times, I think it must have died without sucking or writhing, only murmurs fighting death. You laugh when I say I'm scared. You spray spit in my face and take me by the hand to go for a walk. There's no reason to be afraid, you say. The no grows. It begins to crawl, to walk to look around. The no has no right to speak. Finally, it whispers its first words, stop hurting me. Your fury breaks forth, but the no does not die. It knows it has a right. It grows and speaks. At last, the no loosens its bonds. I say no. And for the first time, I know I will never die.
Thank you for listening to that. God's presence is so intimately available to us when we are at, when we are at our low points, our hurt points, or our scared points. I cherish this next poem for the comfort it promises me when I am vulnerable. Since I'm feeling vulnerable now, it's going to speak to me now. It's called Just Stop. Stop, he said gently. Just stop. Tell me all about it, and I will stay right here beside you until it's over. So the reflection questions for this part, uh, this segment is, are how do you express your deepest hurts or sorrows so that you can start to heal from them? And how is God available, available to you in those times of distress? So now on to the next category. Thank goodness. <laughs> we are now moving toward hope and wonder. What a welcome relief. We will encounter a few lighter and thoughtful poems and even one that I wrote when I was in third grade. So the first one is about money. Perhaps, of a, perhaps most of us could take money just a little bit less seriously. But here's one from God. It's called Make a List. Money, God said, is best understood when turned inside out and on its head. First, you need to know what it's not. Make a list. Then, focus on getting more of what's on that list. That list you made, God said, that's where I come in. I invite you to make a list and share it with a good friend or just yourself in the quiet of your heart. The next poem suggests that in a time of turmoil in our world, we can still reflect on what grounds us or gives us hope. So this is a list poem. So it's simply a, a list of things that I find hope from. And it, the title is Where I Find Hope. So there are three different categories. The first one would be a list of things, ways that I find God, glimpsing God in the dark. So this is how I find God, God there. The moon still rising. First responders and caregivers. Sarajevo cellist playing during the siege. The book of Job, the book of Ruth. Billie Holiday's blues. Leonard Cohen's broken hallelujah. Estonians singing through Nazi occupation. Then the second section is called Trusting God for the Dawn. Recovery centers, bridges over troubled waters, neighbors shoveling sidewalks, T.S. Eliot's Darkness Will Be the Dawn, cardinal calls in early March, healing stories, stories of healing, Herons returning to their nests. Remission. Reconciliation. The beauty of mended, cracked pottery. Opening day in baseball. And then the third section is finding God in all things. 
The lyrics sorrow and joy flow mingled down, trusting in the bigger picture. People called to mend and make things. Friends and family who listen deeply. The psalmist, you restore my soul. Knowing with Julian that all will be well. Gratitude beyond my fear. And then my summary of the whole poem is, it is well with my soul. Sometimes I just reread that poem, so I remind myself of where hope comes from in my life, and it soothes my soul on the stormy days. This next one is a funny one that I wrote when I was in third grade. I have no recollection of writing it whatsoever, but I do enjoy the voice and the little spark I feel for that little girl in me who wrote it. And it has a little mystery to it. It's called After the Rain. After the rain on the shiny street, I found a rainbow right at my feet. It might have spilled down out of the sky. It was all mixed up. The colors weren't dry. They were pink and purple, blue, red, green, all the colors I've ever seen. Oh, yes, I know that rainbows don't fall. Know what it was? A grease spot, that's all. Well, those poems in this section were much more engaging to read, and I felt a little lift and a chuckle with that last one. I can only imagine how fun it was for me to share that imagination with people when I was in third grade. I mean, I think I thought I was pulling something over on them <laughs> with that poem. I can sense the twinkle in my third grade eye. So reflection questions for this section. What brings you hope? And what makes you stop, smile with mystery or wonder? Well, listeners, we have one more category to cover, a memorable one that is close to my heart, called Intimacy with God. These three poems are all different aspects of closeness to God and God's heart. I hope you receive something personal that you can take with you as a reminder of God's closeness to us at all times. I won't comment any more on them, but let them speak for themselves. The first one is a haiku, which is just three lines and a certain number of syllables, so it's, it's a different feel. Deep infusion, God. Calm of earth and joy of heaven. Bathe my soul in you. This next one is, again, one of those French pantoums, which has a kind of a formula to it that you don't know when you're first uh, writing it. And this is God speaking to me. It's called A Desire. There is nothing I desire more, to be your beloved in the world, to feel as you feel, to see as you see, to bring healing calm to your soul. To be your beloved in the world. To rekindle the fire of holy compassion. To bring healing calm to your soul. And to free your heart from pain. To rekindle the fire of holy compassion. To feel as you feel. To see as you see. And to free your heart from pain. 
There is nothing I desire more. And this last one is called What Life is All About. I really like this one. I asked God, you might think I talked to God a lot, about, but anyway, I asked God one day to tell me what life is all about. Well, God said, that's easy. It's about coming home to yourself and coming home to me. Then God winked at me, and we both took another sip of our tea. So the reflection question for this section is, what are your favorite ways of expressing God's presence intimately in your life? And how do you experience God's humor? If you would like to dive deeper into exploring your own life, you can reflect further on these on these questions about the whole podcast. What most needs to be expressed in your own life right now, perhaps in a new way or in a new form? What segment of the podcast was most intriguing for you? And what is the invitation there? And then what segment was challenging or frightening for you? And what does that suggest for you? And how is God, and God inviting you to express the deeper truths of your own inner life? What a joy to do this reading of my poems with you listeners. I'm feeling so grateful and graced about the experience, even better now that it's over. I felt the Spirit was involved in the selections and an infusion of love all along the way. And I experienced God's humor and also the depth of God's presence in my painful poems because they gave me the clarity and courage that I needed in order to heal. These simple poem, poems reflect the tapestry of my life at some of the key moments of change and growth, and for that, I'm very grateful. What I hope for most is that these poems and my presence reading them will inspire you, my listeners, to express what you really feel about your life and about God in an atmosphere of intimacy, honesty, and safety. Thank you so much for, be will for being willing to go with me on this journey of the soul. And I need to let you know that I have put some of these poems on YouTube with images to, to accompany them. And I think you can find them under my name or that knowing was out of my reach, I know, is one of them if you want to look for that. And I'm so grateful to Stephanie Williams O'Brien, who's sitting here in the room doing all this producing of this podcast. And thank you, thank you. I can hardly believe I'm doing these and you got me into this in the first place. So I'm very grateful. And I will close with a quote from the same psalm that I started with from Psalm 119 uh, from Nan Merrill's version. This one is more of a promise and a gift evolving out of our inner work. And I cherish this part of uh, Psalm 119. As you radiate the healing love of your inmost being, into a suffering, scarred, and ever-sacred world. Offer grateful praise from the chalice of your heart to the one who loves through you. Great peace have those who co-create with you, who share the living wine of your spirit. They know that all goodness comes from your divine love, the source and foundation of all life.
The Critical Journey podcast is produced by Stephanie O'Brien and Lead Stories Media. For more engaging content, go to leadstoriesmedia.com.